Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome to the Three Down Nation podcast. He's Justin Dunk. I'm John Hodge. Today, we're discussing the Canadian Football Hall of Fame inductees, the CFL's global draft, and the retirement of James Franklin. But first, Dunkster, you reported that the CFL had asked the federal government for financial assistance to get on the field in 2021. It has since been reported that the federal government will not be providing the league with an interest-free loan. Is this a big blow to the odds of us seeing a season this year? It's not in one way, Hodge, and let me specify this for a second. I did not ever report that the CFL had asked for an interest-free loan, and the CFL league office had made it clear to me that the talks with the government never stopped. But they had definitely intensified, and when I talked with my sources within the federal government, they definitely stated that that was the case, that the CFL was, to put it in a certain way, back again looking for some sort of money to help them get on the field in 2021. So when that discussion restarted with the league having submitted their health and safety protocols to the provinces and then the feds would have that final stamp, the federal government said, well, we have some new programs that are available that we'd like to point you towards, just like last time. Because to me, it never made sense for the CFL to go back and ask right. for an interest-free loan again because they already said no one time around. So I never felt like that was going to be that the way it was going to happen. I really do, though, get the sense from talking to people within the federal government that if the league is serious about wanting help, and yes, there are people that will make jokes about, you know, the Wii scandal or Justin Trudeau <laughs> giving money to his close, rich friends. We're not a politics podcast, so I'm not going to judge that. But if the league opens up their books and is transparent and really shows that they indeed are hurting and need this money, then the federal government would think about it. Although we're going to get to it here in a little bit. The CFL owners combined are worth hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars. So it's hard to justify for the feds. Yeah, that's something that, you know, has been stuck in my head through this whole situation is the fact that Stefan Gilbo, you know, when the CFL was denied an interest free loan in August of 2020, which culminated in the cancellation of the season, Gilbo said, look, we are going to ensure, and I'm paraphrasing this, but he said, we're going to ensure that the CFL is around for years to come. So that in my, and this is my 
perception of what he said. But my my takeaway was them saying, okay, look, we're not going to write you a blank check to get on the field when we feel like there is a reasonable chance you can fund it yourself. And as you said, Dunkster, we're going to talk about that later. But we are also going to make sure that we don't lose, you know, 108-plus years of Canadian football history on our watch. I don't think that this government wants that on their hands if the cfl goes away the cfl is something that is remarkably important to millions of canadians i don't think any politician would want that on their hands the death of the cfl and so that you know again the cfl didn't they wanted the special package in 2020 right they didn't want what other businesses were getting they wanted a special thing they've got a no as an answer but i still think that there could be some support for the government because they spoke openly in 2020 about supporting the league in some way shape or form indeed and the federal government to your point recognizes the cultural piece that the cfl plays in canada they came out and said that even though the nhl and hockey is the number one sport in canada over 70 percent of the nhl's franchises are based in the u.s so the cfl is a little bit unique. There are some other leagues out there. The CEBL, the Canadian Elite Basketball League, the Canadian Premier League now, and others that are uniquely Canadian, but the CFL is by far the biggest one. Speaking of, Dunkster, Ontario Sport Minister Lisa McLeod said she is not yet in a position to sign off on the CFL's return-to-play plan. Is that a big deal? It is in terms of the potential start date of a season, Hodge. And I'm in the camp right now where I'm not going to believe football is played until I see it before my very eyes, whether that happens on TV or on the football field. And you look at what McLeod is saying here, and it makes a lot of sense. On Thursday, Ontario set a new single-day high for COVID cases reporting over 4,700. There's modeling that projects it getting way worse in Ontario and Maine. I know we're all sick of hearing about COVID. The fatigue has definitely set in. But when you consider where Ontario is at and you have a third of the league's teams based here, it just does not seem like a smart decision for them to allow football to be played. There are many more players, obviously, on a football roster than there are on a hockey roster. And everyone says, ah, well, they let the NHL play. Well, the NHL has rigorous testing. A 600-page document. Daily COVID-19 tests are done, if not twice daily. And there was still an outbreak within the Vancouver Canucks. So it makes sense to me that Ontario, in this case in particular, is going to be very careful, especially when you consider we're in the midst of a one-month lockdown here. Yeah, one one thing that I will say that that is encouraging to me is the vaccination rate in Canada has really picked up. On April 14th, I read on Twitter, Canada per capita did the second most vaccinations of any country in the world. Only the United States was ahead of Canada. And obviously, on the grand scheme of things, the vaccination rollout in this country at times has been substandard and in certain provinces at times has been substandard. Um, That being said, that is something that I do find encouraging is that, you know, it uh, it does appear as though a lot of the American players, if you follow them on Twitter, a lot of them are vaccinated. Hopefully they get those vaccine passports that have been discussed in the United States. And hopefully a lot of Canadian players will have at least one shot by the time the season is supposed to start. That being said, Dunkster, you make a great point. COVID can change rapidly over time. I'll never forget 
when Winnipeg was was first identified as the potential host city of the 2020 bubble, vaccination <laughs> or the, the the COVID rates in Manitoba were nothing. It was almost COVID free at the time, and then by the time the canceled bubble season was supposed to start, Manitoba was literally the worst province in the country for COVID. And so, you know, again, I know it's scary when COVID rates are insane right now in Ontario, but that's one thing I will keep in mind. That does that has nothing to do potentially with how this could look in six weeks, ten weeks, fourteen weeks, whatever it is, when a potential season does actually take place. Exactly. We don't know, and the CFL can plan all they want, but Lisa McLeod stated it from her quotes. So we are guided by Dr. David Williams and the Chief Medical Officer of Health in Ontario. Until there is sign-off by the health table, there will not be resumption of play. So unless the CFL is going to figure out a way where those Ontario teams perhaps move to a different province and set up shop, which they kind of really didn't want to go down that bubble road again. Maybe they look at that piggybacking scenario they talked about last year where the East teams or the Ontario teams in this key case piggyback with some of the Western teams. But that really hasn't been something that's been talked about at all, Hodge. I think the key here is are the owners at any point willing to play without fans in the stands? Because you said even though the vaccination rates are picking up, are fans actually going to be allowed back in stadiums it's one thing that roger goodell and the nfl have gone forward and said they want to have full stadiums it's much different how canada has approached it we got to take a quick break dunkster but we'll be right back this podcast is brought to you by danette may and mindful health llc featuring danette may's top superfood product from her earth echo foods line cacao bliss Nothing feels better than being able to enjoy rich, smooth, creamy chocolate and knowing you are doing something good for your body. We start with 100% organic cacao beans that are naturally kissed by the sun, maintaining their miraculous health benefits. Then we blend it with turmeric, MCT oil, coconut, Himalayan sea salt, cinnamon, and black pepper for the perfect blend to make you feel the best you ever have. The result? Fall in love with a truly decadent, healthy, guilt-free chocolate, removing your cravings, facilitating weight loss, boosting your energy, and reducing your inflammation with one simple drink. Not only that, it is friendly to paleo, gluten-free, keto, vegan, and vegetarian diets. For the last eight years, we have been a leader in the superfoods market and are proud to have served millions of customers worldwide. They're offering a 15% off code when you use the code MINUTE at earthechofoods.com slash minute media. That's earthechofoods.com slash minute media. Hodge, my man, you had a wonderful piece up on three down Asian. It's still there if the folks want to go and read it. It started off talking about how the CFL should invest in itself, and it took a in-depth look at the worth of the owners around the league. Obviously, the six private owners, and one is in a state form right now after the passing of the late David Braley. What did you find out when you did that research? Well, the reason I, I did the article is I, I'm growing a little bit tired of this narrative that the CFL is just this broke institution, right? The league office is a cardboard box and all these teams have nothing. Yeah, the budgets in the CFL are razor thin. And that's why after one season of losses, the CFL is in trouble, whether or not they want to publicly admit it or not. 
With that said, the financial backing in the CFL is remarkable. David Braley's estate is believed to be well over $1 billion. That's buh with a B. Uh, And that is also true for many of the people backing the CFL. In Calgary, you've got CSE. They own essentially any sports product worth anything in the city of Calgary. And Oil Sands Tycoon Ed Murray Edwards has a share of ownership. He's worth an estimated $1.8 billion. Toronto Argonauts owned by MLSE, you know, a company valued near five billion U.S. dollars with all the assets they have. Larry Tannenbaum, one of Canada's 100, 100 richest people. Hamilton Tiger Cats, Bob Young has more money than I could ever dream of holding. Ottawa Red Blacks, you've got the Ottawa Sports and Entertainment Group. Roger Greenberg, their chairman and managing partner, is one of Canada's 100 richest people. And Montreal, you've got Gary Stern and Sid Spiegel. Their their net worth is not known. I was unable to uncover that fact in my research and my uh, poking around asking questions. That said, they're obviously worth a lot of money. If they were willing to buy a product that you know, had the Wettenhall family losing money year after year after year until they finally walked away from the Alouettes. So I wanted to dispel this this narrative that the CFL has nothing. Because look, if the CFL's six private owners, and by the way, the other three teams, the publicly owned teams, they all make money. If they wanted to actually invest in their own product and help market it, help build it, they could do it. They have more money than Redbird Capital and Danny Garcia and The Rock combined. That is a fact. The, the reason that they, and, and and again, I'm not saying they should, because the easiest thing in the world is telling rich people how to spend their money, and that's not my business. But what I wanted to do is just paint this picture for people and say, look, this is not a situation where the rich and powerful XFL is taking pity on the poor little CFL that has nothing. That could not be further from the truth. The CFL, if they wanted to, has more assets, has more resources to make a change happen. If they choose not to do that, that is, that is the accurate word. They are choosing not to invest in their products. It's not a matter they can't. It's a matter that they are choosing not to. That's a really big difference, in my opinion. And, and it's a great thought piece on a number of fronts, but a couple that popped to mind for me, and we talked about it in the first segment, is you think about going to the federal government and asking for money when you have these private owners. And yes, everyone has suffered from COVID-19, but who are worth hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars, or these corporations like MLSE that are valued at $5 billion. And speaking of MLSE, you sort of alluded to it. Everyone seems to, on the state side, I feel like, in terms of the CFL and XFL discussions, go all goo-goo-gaga over Redbird Capital. And I'm not saying they're not legit, but MLSC on their own is worth more and oversees more assets, I would imagine, than Redbird Capital does. So that, in a nutshell, shows you the money is here to invest. Quarterback James Franklin announced his retirement at the age of 29, Hodge. What does that mean for Franklin and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders? Well, I really enjoyed Franklin's comments that he made in his retirement announcement, talking about the fact that he's ready to move on from football, right? This pandemic uh, enlightened him somewhat as to what he really, truly wants out of life, and he realized that that's no longer football. And that's a big step for a lot of athletes. Football is a game you can't play forever. Everybody has to leave the game at some point. It's usually not on their own terms. Usually they're forced out. Even in instances where where teams and players say, oh, yeah, this this was my choice. We know Dunkster behind the scenes. That's usually not the case. Usually players have been forced out. And I think it's great that James Franklin 
came to that realization. He's not the first one. There have been lots of retirements this offseason. Uh, but as for the Riders, I mean, it does leave them in a bit of a tough spot. Isaac Harker, uh, the rookie out of the amazing quarterback factory that is the Colorado School of Mines. By the way, if you haven't looked <laughs> up their logo, do yourself a big old favor. Punch that into Google Images. It's brilliant. Uh, he, he looked pretty good in his very first season in 2019. But is he a true full-time backup? Uh, obviously, he's not proven that could be an issue for the Riders. If we get football in 2021, Cody Fajardo's got to stay healthy for them. Though I will say two offseason additions uh, they made this year, two of the best quarterbacks, frankly, in the history of college football, at least top 25. We got Luke Falk, you got Mason Fines. Neither cut it in the NFL, but if they're able to tap that potential on the bigger field, I would love to see them make an impact for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. So I'm really intrigued to see how that backup battle is going to play out. Hopefully we actually get to see it, Hodge, because that means there's football on the field. I really do believe it is a little bit of a blow to the Riders because Jason Moss was familiar with him bringing that new offense over there, knowing James Franklin was so good in it. Remember, that was the offense that he was in when he rose to that level of the Toronto Argonauts and many other teams around the league believing Franklin could be a franchise pivot. Now, I feel bad for Franklin because he ends up going into a situation where, to be quite honest, he felt like Mark Tressman didn't really trust him or feel like he could be himself around Tressman, which didn't end up working out the best for both parties. Tressman gets fired. Franklin goes to a new team. I think that potential was still there with Franklin, but we'll never know. You're right. We'll never know. The 2021 CFL Global Draft was held today with the BC Lions selecting punter Jake Ford from Australia at first overall. What were your thoughts on the Global Draft? All right. I want to say, first of all, that I understand (laughs) where this initiative could go. But congratulations to Jake Ford. Although trying to sell a punter with your number one (laughs) overall draft pick, Hodge, is not ideal and we know how this happens in terms of the Canadian draft because a lot of offensive linemen go and as much as we all recognize you need the big fellas up front to pave the way for the running backs make time for the quarterback to deliver to playmaking receivers there needs to be more sexiness around the league and that's going to come and I know you hate this term but in the form of the skill positions when we're talking about the NFL draft right now We're looking at maybe quarterbacks going one, two, three, potentially four. And Kyle Pitts, who's a dynamic tight end, seems like he's going to go in the top 10, a wild card. You look at the global draft, you have a punter that goes first overall. That would never happen in the NFL. You can't sell that. You can't hype that up. He's not going to change your franchise. I really believe there needs to be an incentive in the Canadian draft. And whether or not we have one after 2021 is definitely an open question in terms of what happens with this merger. I think there will be one. It just might not matter as much. But you got to give an incentive to teams to pick quarterbacks or players higher that could actually make an impact. Now, I know that you can't force that player in a position to where he's ready to play, but it happens so quickly in the NFL that I feel like there's got to be a way to do it and at least get quarterbacks pushed up the board to where they get picked high. Yeah, I think, uh, and by the way, I spoke with somebody earlier this week who actually said, I I expect the first round could be mostly punters because so many of these Australian punters are so good playing Aussie rules football. And let's be honest, if you're forced to get two globals on the roster, 
it's great, especially if you only have, you know, let's say a Boris Beatty or Justin Medlock, somebody who does all of the jobs anyway. It's great to use one of your roster spots, one of the global spots, to say, okay, this is great. We'll plug in, right, a global behind the kicker or the punter, and they might not do anything all game, but, you know, in the CFL with limited roster sizes, you're, you're often out of luck, right, if your punter kicker gets hurt. Well, if you have a global, you, no, no reason why they can't, you know, play, play in case your guy gets hurt, right? If your kicker's hurt, that's usually a massive issue. If you've got a global who can do it, you may as well plug him in. And so that's why I think we saw the run. There weren't as many as this person said. There were only four in the first round. That said, the fact that almost half the first round was punters did take some shine off the event for me. But I did thoroughly enjoy the analysis from J.C. Abbott. And I will also say this. As much as CFL 2.0 thus far has been a disaster from a financial standpoint, because let's not forget this was an initiative designed to make money for the CFL. So far, it's done nothing but cost them large amounts of money. But I do kind of sort of see, okay, maybe by year three, year four, year five, I could I could maybe see this making some money. I'm with you. I can kind of see where they're going. So hashtag punters are people too, going from <laughs> players trying to make their careers in the league to players who have had spectacular ones. Nick Lewis became a first ballot Canadian Football Hall of Fame inductee this week alongside Orlando Steinauer, Don Wilson, Will Johnson, and Mike Walker. First ballot inductees, Hodge, are extremely rare in Canada, as you pointed out on Three Down Nation. Can you give us an idea of how rare they actually are? By the way, thank you for calling him Orlando Steinauer, which is his name. Maybe now that he's in the Hall of Fame, people will stop calling him Orlando Steinhauer. <laughs> it drives me crazy. I can only imagine how it makes Mr. Steinauer feel. Anyways, Dunkster, you're absolutely right. First, uh, first ballot inductees to the Canadian Football Hall of Fame are extremely rare. I ran the numbers. There's 220 players in the Canadian Football Hall of Fame. Only 22 were first ballot inductees. It's about 10%. In the Pro Football Hall of Fame, which should really be called the American Football Hall of Fame, they've got approximately 25%. So it's, it's much rarer in Canada to be a first ballot Hall of Famer than they would be stateside. And some of the names that I ran who for guys who were not first ballot Hall of Famers, it seems insane, but you've got players like Mike Pringle, who is literally the league's all-time leading rusher. You've got Grover Covington, the CFL's all-time leading sack master. You've got Willie Pless, who I believe was a four-time most outstanding defensive player. He's the CFL's all-time leading tackler. You've got Chris Walby, who's probably the best offensive lineman in CFL history. Like some of the star-studded, you want to talk Matt Dunnigan, Damon Allen, Danny McManus. Like there were massive, massive names who did not receive uh, first ballot in, in induction into the Canadian Football Hall of Fame. And I just think that speaks volumes about the players who, who were inducted. We had a first ballot in 2020 in Henry Burris. We had one this year in 2021 in Nick Lewis. And we're probably getting one, maybe two, next year with Ricky Ray, who I think is probably a first ballot lock, and Jovan Olafioye, the incredible uh, offensive tackle who pre played predominantly with the BC Lions. So I think it's a bigger deal than people realized, and I can't uh, give enough credit to Mr. Lewis Thick Nick, the CFL's all-time leading receiver, and one of just 22 first ballot Hall of Famers in the history, the 50-year history of the Canadian Football Hall of Fame. We got to take a break, Dunkster, but when we come back, it'll be time for Hodges Heritage Month.
this day. In 2015, Stephen Lambala retired from professional football at the age of 23. The Calgary product was the number five pick in the 2013 CFL draft, which was considered far too high by a number of pundits, including this one. He dressed for 15 games with the team over two seasons before retiring to become an oil industry worker. However, as of 2020, Lambala was working as an attorney after graduating from the University of Moncton. Dunkster, I recently had a personnel person tell me the CFL draft has become a lot more boring since Jim Pop got fired and no longer makes super weird picks in the first round. Steven Lambala has to be an amazing example of that, does he not? He does, dude. But hey, I'm down for a skill position player being drafted high in the CFL draft, man. That's what I'm talking about. That is a good point. I'm just not sure that was the right place to go. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> All right, it's time for the three-minute drill. Dan Barnes reported that Ed Hervey is eyeing the CFL's director of global scouting job. Do you think he'd be good at that? I'm sure anyone would love to be paid six figures to travel around the world when the pandemic is over. Holla right? at our boy, University Jim C. of Saskatchewan. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> University of Saskatchewan, DB Nelson LeCombo ran a 4.48 40-yard dash. Do you think that'll help his NFL and CFL draft stock? I think it will. Though, as you said, Dunkster, part of the problem in the CFL draft is Nelson the Combo does not play offensive line. If more teams coveted strong side linebackers, halfbacks, I think he would go a lot higher than he actually will on May 4th. TSN 1050 Radio in Toronto forgot to include the Argos in their 10th anniversary tweet. They are, in fact, the Argos rights holder. They later deleted the message and reposted it, including a photo of receiver Levi Noel. Can you believe that? I actually can. Tom Brady was there originally <laughs> for some reason. And maybe the only reason Brady was on there, or part of the reason I should say, is because the Raptors are playing in Tampa Bay and the Jays have been down in Florida. So maybe they're sort of adopting Florida as their sports teams. But honestly, I don't really get it. Chris Bickford wants to make a CFL movie akin to the Mighty Ducks, Hodge. Do you like the Mighty Ducks? I love the Mighty Ducks. I am a proud cake eater. One of my favorite movies. Edmonton Long Snapper. Quack, quack, <laughs> Absolutely. Edmonton Long Snapper Ryan King retired from the CFL this past week. Is that a big deal? It is, man. That guy was sort of the typical story that you see in the CFL hometown grew up in Edmonton played Canadian junior football even before he went to St. Mary's University got too old there we'll kind of talk about that part but ends up in the CFL as a long snapper converting from a linebacker great dude has done yeoman's work on the Canadian Football Players Association executive board he will remain doing that all the best Vernon Adams Jr. spent almost $20,000 of his own cash to fly 14 of his teammates to Seattle for a workout. Isn't that spectacular leadership? A lot of guys do a lot of talking, talk, 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 but it speaks volumes when there's action put to those words. Full marks to Vernon Adams Jr. Opening the checkbook to make something awesome happen. Great work. Michael McCarthy reported that the XFL and CFL could be looking to play an interleague championship game with the end goal of merging the two leagues. Do you think that's got legs? They could be looking at anything, Hodge. They could be looking at playing games in Mexico. They could be looking at playing games in London. I'm sure they've talked about everything. Everything is a could be in this scenario right now. True, true. 
Deontay Spencer re-signed with the Denver Broncos. Can he be a Pro Bowl returner in the NFL? I absolutely think he can. He's been great. I mean, in the NFL, with the rules, you get, like, what, four returns per season? But, you know, all you got to do is make the most of those four returns. And, yeah, you're going to the Pro Bowl. Great for him. Great CFL player. Great returner. Mike Riley has been training to be a firefighter, Dunkster. Would you be comfortable with him saving your life? Hell yeah, all the shots he's taken in the pocket, man, he could easily run through the flames, grab me, you know, my family if I needed him to, any of our valuables or our goods that we didn't want to lose and get us out safely. TSN analyst Glenn Suter told Derek Taylor on the sports cage on CKRM that the CFL's lack of communication regarding the 2021 season is, quote, frustrating, close quote. What do you feel the CFL could be doing better to keep fans and everyone else in the loop? Well, I requested Randy Ambrosio to come on this show. The interview request was turned down, and then he went and talked to CFL.ca. So maybe something other than radio silence or only communicating through your own media outlets would be a good thing. I haven't seen Randy Ambrosio speak publicly, I don't think, since, and, and to, again, an independent media source, uh, since the XFL announcement a month ago. And CFL fans, look, 2020, yeah, give the CFL the benefit of the doubt. Pandemic sets in tough to get a season going what is this dunkster month 13 where are we in are we in the Mm -hmm. 13th month of this pandemic i'm sorry there's no excuses radio silence is ridiculous at this point give the fans some info i don't think anybody's expecting saying okay yeah we're going to kick off at 705 p.m on this day and the weather is going to be this and this team is no we don't need exact minute details but give us something could you please give us something the trick is Hodge, Randy Ambrosi is only made available when he has his notes to read from. So unless that's there, we're probably not going to get him for an interview. Well, something. Let's get something. Or, or I don't know, maybe he can memorize a script. We'll see. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Three Down Nation podcast. He's Justin Dunk. I'm John Hodge. We'll see you next week. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.